episode number seven of the podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and let us know what you want to hear. My name is Michael Gray. His name is Scott Hershey. Coming up, uh, special guest, Brock Heward, guy I used to uh, work with back in Seattle, Washington. He now lives in Colorado, and his kids come to Montana. So we'll talk to him about being a, uh, a Grizz dad. The Heward name is... Uh commonplace in in washington sports right so it'll be interesting to see his take on being now a montana sports guy maybe we can get a pipeline started who knows uh in the meantime we have celebrities running amok mark Wahlberg was here a little bit ago to launch his movie father stew which is now in theaters i have not seen it because i did not get invited to the fancy party no um and if you don't invite me to the fancy party then i'm not going to go see your movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you could literally not go to any movies then. Those are, no, because not every movie has a fancy party where I live. Ah. If Star Wars has a fancy party and Mark Hamill doesn't invite me, I'm not going to see Star Wars. Well, But Mark Hamill's fancy parties are in California. He was in town. He took lots of pictures with yeah, college students on the campus. And uh, they showed the movie at the theater and everyone thought it was great. Yeah, everybody seems to think it's really good. And I'm a little bit worried because coming on the heels of Mark Wahlberg stopping in Helena, Montana to have his fancy party that he didn't invite us to, he is selling his 30,500 square foot mansion. It is the seventh largest house currently on the market in L.A. County, along with six acres uh, and everything else, he wants $87.5 million. Um, wow. It comes with a golf course, a grotto. A golf course? It's got its own golf course. It's all, all handmade. He actually bought this property in uh, 2009 for $8 million, and now he wants eighty seven. Well, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Um, <laughs> it's got a guest house. It's got all the things. There's a tennis court that's also a basketball court. It's uh, all in Boston Celtics colors because, of course, it is. Of course. It's Mark Wahlberg's stupid Boston. <laughs> and I hate everything in Boston. Uh, at any rate, it worries me because, you know, this is what celebrities do. They come to Montana and they're like, oh, it's nice here. I'll buy it. Well, he it. has said that he's not, he's, he's going to um, do more wholesome content. This Father Stu thing is part of it. Sure. Uh, but uh, maybe that just involves moving out of California. But, yeah, that does uh, does make you suspect. Cause he, but he did, didn't he say something? He wasn't going to move here? Maybe not. No. Maybe he is moving here. I, well, <laughs> when I went to the Pam Tillis concert. You know what I would say if I was going to move here? I would say I'm not moving here, and then I would do it anyway. Pam Tillis said from the stage in concert last week, she said, I love it here. Don't worry, I'm not moving here. <laughs> That is what she said. You could tell she had talked to literally everyone. Yep. Like, you're not going to buy up all the things, are you? All right. Because if my man bought something for $8 million and sells it for $88 million, he's coming in $80 million cash in hand. Wow. Uh, not that a guy who's worth $300 million needed the extra money for his mortgage or whatever. I don't know how financing on any of that stuff works because I'm not wealthy. He's but- also not buying anywhere near you or I. <laughs> no. Well, if he is, he's buying all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and in other news... Mark Wahlberg bought Jefferson County, and that'll be it. And then I'll actually be living at his place. I don't know uh, what he's doing, but thanks for nothing, Mark Wahlberg, for not inviting us to your fancy party. And movie's uh, probably good. I should probably he'll be up out. there at the Yellowstone Club. That's where he's going, if he goes anywhere in the state. I was going to say, yeah, that's he's going to. Well, he's going to be with Tom yeah. Brady. We know from his other right. movies. They've uh, already got the, golf courses for you. You don't even have to build one. He does the movie with the teddy bear uh, and Tom Brady. and there you go. Last time we knew, he was checking out Tom Brady's junk. He probably wouldn't mind hitting being, 18 with him. Being neighbors, yeah. Out there in Big Sky. All right. Well, enough real estate paranoia. You and I are both girl dads. Uh, you and I both have uh, girls that are playing sports and maybe someday playing at the college level. 
Maybe. This guy is going through that right now. Time now to welcome our guest. I'm super excited about this. An old friend of mine, Brock Heward, former quarterback from the University of Washington, quarterback of the Seahawks and the Colts. He's currently a college football analyst with Fox Sports, going to be dabbling in the USFL. I could bore him to tears with Michigan Panthers questions. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm trying to remember. I think the last time you and I did this, like, officially, professionally, I think I was yelling at you about some Seahawk run game analytics stat you had or something. I don't know if you remember that, but I think that that might have been the last time, at least in a professional setting, you and I got after it. So good to be with you and Scott and and get a chance to, to talk about a new love of mine, and that's uh, the place that you guys call home and certainly the University of Montana for my daughter. Yeah, we've got a lot to get to as a new Papa Grizz. Uh, we we got to get to that. Yeah, I, thought, um, I think a lot of folks were kind of wondering, first of all, like, where's well, the right. Montana connection? Because right. that's what we do, but there it is right there. The, the weird thing about this, and, and I want to get to the Haley stuff in a minute, but just l- thinking about this, this conversation, I'm trying to remember when I left Seattle, it was 2015. I'm like, she was 11 or 12. <laughs> now she's got her own yeah. bio page at ESPN.com. <laughs> like, man, time flies. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, she was, let's see, in 15, seven years ago. Yeah. She just turned 19, so... Yeah, she was 12 and sweet and kind <laughs> and hadn't hit any hormones or boyfriends uh, or puberty or any of that crazy hey, stuff. Hey, man. Had to navigate. <laughs> I got a 16-year-old, so I know what you're talking about. But Mike's you're right not, in not, it, Mike's, Mike's at right the very beginning. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm approaching that top of that roller coaster. Let me blow your mind. My daughter's about to turn 14. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm staring into the heart of darkness there with teenage girls. I don't <laughs> I may be calling you back soon uh, in need of advice. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll I'll try to answer. Uh, but this will be fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this when you reached out to me. Uh, Michael and say, hey, what do you what do you think we're we're doing this podcast up here in Montana? I've uh, fallen in love with that place as I know you have since you moved there and it's a it's a special special place. Yeah, and it's easy to fall in love with. Uh before we do that though, I want to offer you an olive branch. This is kind of like this is neutral territory, um, you know, and we're in Montana and and if you want to take this opportunity to apologize to people in Seattle for clearly being the linchpin in the Russell Wilson deal. Because you clearly <laughs> sold that man on Colorado. I know you were a fan yeah. when he was in Seattle, and now he's going to be right in your yard. It was surreal. I'm not going to lie. I was going out to get to the, the mail, and I got a, a phone call from one of the producers uh, the, of a sister station of ours here in Denver, a sister station to the station out in Seattle. And and he said, hey, man, do you, do you have any time to chat today with the big news? And I was like, Aaron Rodgers sounds that like big news in Denver. I know he didn't come and y'all hoped maybe with a, with a new coach Hackett coming that he would follow to Denver. I'm like, yeah, uh, what am I missing? something? <laughs> you know, I, I did just walk to the mail and I've not been around my phone for an hour. He's like, you didn't hear. And I was like, hear what? And he said, uh, yeah, the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson. And I just about dropped my phone. I mean, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, I, I didn't see it, Michael and Scott. I didn't see that coming because I just did not think at the stage where Pete Carroll finds himself at 70 years of age, that right. he was going to think in his mind, well, we can make another run to a title in this time frame without a real quarterback plan because it's not a draft to me that's got any kind of quarterback that'll get you to a Super Bowl in a year, maybe even two or three or ever. And to, to pull that trigger, I was mouth agape, pretty darn surprised. And as you can imagine, uh, that next 24 hours was was pretty nutty uh, talking to everybody in Seattle and Denver and 
and uh, truth be told, the following day, this might be TMI, but the following day I had a colonoscopy and to sit in the Denver hospital that I was in and listen to all the nurses and all the doctors and everybody. Can you believe it? We got Russell Wilson. Can you believe it? Oh my gosh, after all these, oh, we got Russell Wilson. We got Russell Wilson. We got Russell Wilson. I mean, it was, it has been for the last month plus nothing but a, a Russell Wilson love fest here in the Rocky Mountains. Well, I lived in uh, Colorado for three years at the very end of the Elway era. And I know how much in love with John Elway that state was. And I don't know if they've had a passion for a quarterback, maybe Manning for a little while, but they all yes. knew that was going to be a short-term thing. But they haven't had a real passion and a real excitement about anything for a while. So I thought for the Colorado, for the Denver fans, I thought it was pretty cool. They call it Bronco country, Scott. Okay, yeah, get it right. It's Bronco <laughs> country. I had, to, I had to learn that the hard way. Bronco fans, Bronco nation. No. It's Bronco country out here. <laughs> and yes, for six years since uh, since Peyton had left, I don't think – I think it's him and the New York Jets that have gone through more quarterbacks. Uh, I think they're the top two in the NFL trying to find the draft. They brought in veterans in first round. Uh, they've done everything and have not solved the riddle since Peyton and certainly Elway. And those two, you're talking about two of the greatest to ever, 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 ever do it. So, uh, yeah, Russell's got some pretty big shoes, large shadows cast in front of him with those two. And – by all accounts, he's uh, thrilled and excited to, to be out of Seattle and get this second chance. Do you? Uh, he ought to be able to escape that shadow by standing on the giant pile of money uh, that's flying around for quarterbacks. When you look at it, does that leave you beside yourself a little bit? Because I've been watching the money going around for quarterbacks Crazy. this year and wide receivers, and I, I don't know what makes sense anymore. It seems like the salary cap's a myth. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it is pretty nutty, and it, it you know it does change. And what has changed? Maybe Peyton was one of the first dominoes, albeit with four neck fusion surgeries. But when you saw, man, if Peyton Manning can leave the Colts and Tom Brady can leave New England, then this thing's going to be turned upside down, and that's what's happened, right? I mean, we'll see whether or not Kyler Murray, if he's if he stays in Arizona, obviously Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, franchise quarterbacks are a little bit like NBA players where they now realize, man, I, I call the shots and I've got more power than I've ever had before. And, oh, yeah, uh, uh, those two in New England divorce. And if they can divorce, then anybody can divorce. And, yeah, I think that's, Michael, as much as the money, because you know the revenue's insane, <sighs> gambling money's come in, you know that uh, the, the numbers are going to just continue to grow and grow and grow in some ways exponentially. But the fact that franchise, cornerstone, bedrock guys – that stuck around in their cities forever and ever and ever and never left, right? You just, they don't leave. Uh, and the fact that the young ones like a Deshaun Watson has said, nope, not so fast. I don't want to be here. I want to go find a new home. Russell Wilson with a decade still left in his career. Nope. I'm going to uh, pack my bags and, and leave everything I've known uh, to move on elsewhere. That to me is probably hit between the eyes more than anything else. Well, the other, the other number that's on the increase are the ages of this, these guys. I mean, you're only a few months older than Tom Brady. You want to come out and get yourself a piece of this pie? Can you come out of retirement? No chance. I think I walk older than Tiger Woods at the Masters today. No, certainly after one hit, I wouldn't even be walking like Tiger's walking at the Masters. So, so Brock, nope, those days are long gone. With all those, with all that movement you were talking about, and the way things are a little bit different right now in the NFL, I I feel like it's kind of there's there's two other sports, and I, I don't know which which direction they're going. Whether they're going like Major League Baseball, where your star player favorite can get traded tomorrow, it doesn't matter what their status is on their team, doesn't matter. It just they can go anywhere. To anytime or it could be the nba where they're building super teams and guys are deciding where they want to go themselves and then putting groups together and that's almost what the rams did last year which of those scenarios do you think is closer to where the nfl's headed 
I think the NFL is leaning a, a little more in that uh, player empowerment that, that you're seeing. And Jalen Ramsey did it some years ago. So this is not all new. Um, but yeah, you're seeing players say, yeah, I know I got a contract here, but I'm not going to play another down and, and I made enough and I'm willing to, to sacrifice. I make enough off the field that if I need to, to hold out and Sean Watson missed an entire season, again, that one's a little convoluted, obviously with the, with the civil and criminal uh, cases that he was facing. But yeah, I think it's leaning a little more to that NFL world that, Hey man, I've, I've made and captured so much revenue. My bank account's got already so many zeros that if I don't like the situation I'm in, I want to go find a new city to go play in. And we saw that obviously with LeBron heading to Miami first and foremost. And since then that's, it's been just a wide open affair. And I think we will continue to see more and more and more of that. I think what's got to scare the league, Scott, more than anything, though, was the deal that Cleveland did with Sean to give him $240 million guaranteed dollars. That's the one that certainly upset the other 31 owners and went, what are we doing? You know, that is not the world we want to live in because all of a sudden now we're talking like the NBA. Well, maybe I'm ankles a little sore, <laughs> maybe hamstrings a little tight. Maybe I need some uh, load management and I'm going to take a couple <laughs> right. Sundays off and, and start to go down that road. I think that is the, the, the more trying scenario for these owners in the NFL. It has been an absolutely nutso off season. And I know the owners were up in arms about the quarterback thing, but their collective response was then to give former quarterback money to wide receivers left and right and start trading those guys too. So everybody is guilty in this, in this yep. arms race. Is that that's the only you know that's the only way I can phrase it with what we've seen in offseason transactions and trying to build teams around established quarterbacks? Yeah, it's uh, it has changed in the game. Everything that you thought you knew in some ways, and I do still think you know push comes to shove, you've got to be physical. I still think it is an incredibly violent game. I think we will see in NFL draft what three weeks from the time we're recording this and taping. Uh, that's going to be you know full of big people, uh, big people <laughs> on the edge of the line of scrimmage, big offensive tackles. There's still always going to be a home for the line of scrimmage. But you're absolutely right, man. If there'd never been a better time to be a QB Woo. or wide receiver in the world. Yeah, well, not if anybody from the University of Georgia has anything to say about it, because I got a chance <laughs> to watch that defense pretty closely this year, bud. And those are just murderers on that side of the yes. ball coming out of Athens. Goodness gracious! Yeah, I texted a buddy of mine, uh, David Pollock, played down there. And yeah, did a great job with ESPN. I was like, man, t- seriously, how can a humanoid be six seven three forty eight? run a four seven eight forty and not be the number one pick in the draft. And that's Jordan Davis. Right. The, the, <laughs> just the unique human that that is their deep tackle. He said, well, you know, you just can't rush the passer. You can't rush those QBs and and get after those guys. Then, yeah, you'll be a top 15 pick. But seriously, 6'7 plus, 350 pounds, running at 4'7'8". In in my day, last century, you know, we had receivers that ran 4'7'8". That's a 348-pound man. The world is is changing in the game of football for sure. It is, and it's changing fast. You're the the second NFL, uh, ex-NFL player on this podcast podcast to mention that guy the the way that the players are developing physically the speed and the size and you know that shows you it's uh it for guys who didn't you know who played not that long ago to mention how much it's done it's happened very very quickly with these big fast guys oh it's just it's absurd i mean it really is that there, there have always been some fast receivers. I was telling the story the other day about Joey Galloway, who I was with with the Seahawks in 99, and, and remember watching him do things physically that was just 
I mean, he would walk walking lunge in the weight room with 275 pounds on his back and just walk around the weight room lunging. Like, how do you do that at five, nine, one ninety? and, you know, handheld, we had a combine and, and, uh, after I got drafted and Holmgren had come to Seattle and he wanted a little combine for all the vets and I handheld, I mean, he was a four one, he was still the fastest human I've seen that close in person running. So there, there've been fast guys, but it's the big and fast that that's, what's just totally changed, you know, refrigerator Perry in 85 from the one yard line plowing in for a full, you know, when they put him at fullback in the super bowl, wow, 300 pounder. Can you believe this? And I don't know, he's like six foot, 300 pounds, sloppy fat, hanging all off his, his, <laughs> his, uh, his tummy. And now you see Jordan Davis, seriously, it's six, seven, three forty eight lean running four, seven, eight running as fast as Gary Fensick ran. Like it's just, that's just not supposed to happen. All right. Watch this Brock. I'm about to make a professional broadcast segue because Jordan Davis, something that big and that fast, I can't outrun him. I should be able to outrun him. He's a lot like a grizzly. See what I did there? Um, yeah. Right. And by the way, new, new athletes, um, that genetics farm that you and Molly are running, creating these kids, uh, gives me the perfect segue to, to talk a little bit about Haley joining Montana. I'm looking at again, her bio. And when the last time I saw your kids, they were just itty bitty, uh, six, one comes out her freshman year, uh, absolutely dazzles has, has a fantastic season. What went into, uh, what went into the decision? Uh, because obviously you guys had options and I know, I know you, uh, you spend a lot of time studying, you don't do anything without mm -hmm. researching all of your options. What brought you to Montana? Well, you'll love this in this tidbit. Cause you're, you got your 14 year old who's learning her mind of her own and making her own decisions. <laughs> and you're going to learn from this point to 19 and in the process of it, you do truly want to empower them, uh, to, and, and help guide them as much as possible to make their decision. But Haley, a hundred percent was, this was her mind. This was her desire. This was her intuition to know what would be the best fit for her. And she was in the 2021 class. Uh, that class had a hard time. I would argue the 22 classes maybe had the worst time of any recruiting class um, in any recent memory because of COVID, because of the transfer portal, because of lack of visits and exposure. And so when COVID hit, uh, Haley was being recruited and, and had a, a handful of offers, but she never took an official visit. She, all of that was completely shut down other than with Herm Edwards at ASU. It was totally <laughs> and completely uh, sh shut down. So there, there was none of that. It was a dead period. The, the summer ball was shut down. There was nothing going on. And we, at that time, were still in Washington and said, you know what, we better get in the, in the minivan. I rented a minivan because I love minivans. My wife won't <laughs> let me own one. So I rented a minivan and we just said, we're going for it. We'll go down to Oregon at some of the schools there, Portland. We'll go over to Idaho that had really recruited uh, Haley really strong for a few years. We'll make our way up to Missoula. Neither of us had been on campus there. Haley hadn't been there, even though she'd been offered. And we will do this little circuit and this little tour and, and go through Gonzaga on the way back across I-90. And man, praise God we did, because that was, even though it was shut down, uh, I checked in <laughs> to the Holiday, not, not the Holiday Inn, uh, Doubletree right there on the river. I called ahead of time and I said, hey, I know it's kind of odd. There's probably nobody else, but I'm just curious are you guys open um, to have guests? And and uh, the gentleman working the desk said, yeah, 
you know, the, it'll be you and me and the janitor and, you know, there's really nobody because everything is totally shut down, but yeah, we are open for business and, and you come, it can come and rent a, a room. So, uh, you know, we're on our, on our way and we pull into Missoula about, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night and, uh, walk up and it is, I mean, <laughs> there's nobody and I'm like, uh Oh, we may be staying the night in the minivan <laughs> in April, uh, but open the door, open the door. And sure enough, some stuff was under construction. The guy came out. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, I called you this morning and <laughs> I have a reservation. It's like, what? There's nobody here. I'm like, well, that's why I called to make sure there was a reservation and turned on his computer. He's like, well, sure enough, there you go. I don't know what you want here, but fine, here you go. And got our room, thankfully, and stayed the night. And the next day, just spent the entire day in Missoula, walking around campus and, and peeking into the windows. Could not even get in the gym, could not even get into the weight room, could not even meet the interim, then interim coach, Mike Petrino. He was texting us of, of you know places to see or what have you, but couldn't even meet. So it was really uh, Michael and Scott, Ma uh, Macy and Haley and Molly sitting at the table. And it was Haley's intuition to say, this is the fit for me. This, even with no students, even with no campus, even with no huh. juice, even the city totally locked down. She's like, this is the place that loves their sports. This is the place that loves their grizz. This is the place for better or worse. You brought me up to love sport and love these venues. And, and this is what my life has been. And this is a place that will support me. And, and I'm going here, even with an interim coach, even basically sight unseen, this is where I want to go. And she made that decision. And man, was she 100% spot on. Now, did you have any idea at the time about uh, the basketball history of Montana with, uh, with Judd Heathcote and with, uh, with Robin Selvig? Or did you find that mm -hmm. out later and then, uh, and then appreciate that part of uh, basketball at UM? During the pandemic, like everybody else, do we watch every show imaginable, <laughs> every documentary? And was I crying my eyes out on my couch watching that documentary they did on Rob and the women, the Lady Grizz? Absolutely. So that gave us uh, some some background, some history. I knew how dominant they had been. My wife played basketball at the University of Washington in the in the '90s as, as I played football there, and and you know you you could watch and you'd see in the tournament, man, that Montana team is in the tournament seemingly every year. They win the Big Sky every year. Pat Summit in Tennessee is going to play in Missoula. Like they are, that is a special place with a packed gym and amazing fans. And so yeah, I knew that history. I, I can't tell you when Haley made that decision, she knew every bit of it like she does now. She just knew, man, that place and that community loves their Grizz. That football stadium is at the centerpiece of that campus. It is right across that bridge that we walked over from, from the double tree. And I, I want to be a part of it. And as I said, she, she, as hot as she started the year shooting her three pointers, she nailed that decision even more. She knew what was best for her. Even when mom and dad were nervous about an interim coach, even when mom and dad were a little nervous about not even seeing the facilities, even when mom and dad were a little nervous of, gosh, you don't know who your next coach was going to be. She knew that that was the right fit for her and she hit it spot on. What were the conversations like between mom and dad and Haley on September 4th when Montana beat <laughs> UW? I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I was on the road somewhere calling one of my early season games and they were at home on the couch watching it and sent me uh, Haley was actually home that weekend. I think it was one of the few, if only weekends 
gosh, she was home. She came home for Christmas for a quick little time. And, and then we just saw her over spring break, but she's not been home much. And because she's a loved it there in Missoula, B been very busy, but she was home that weekend watching it. And some of the conversations like, Hey man, can we put Sam in uh, my nephew, uh, Haley's <laughs> cousin? Like this is, this is awful, but man, am I pumped for Montana and oh my gosh, I can't wait to get back to campus because everybody's going to be so electric and, uh, and they sure were. So a little bit of a torn household, but leaning without Sam playing in that game, I think a little bit more for Haley and the Grizz. Took a little steam out of that next week against uh, my Wolverines. Uh, yeah, yes, it did. Yes, it did. The whole season took a lot of steam out of a lot of us alumni. Yes. <laughs> What's your experience been like since? I mean, obviously, when you guys went through the recruiting process, it was tough because of the pandemic and uh, the limitations on things. But since things have opened up, I assume that you've been able to get in and around the area. You know, what have you experienced here in Montana? Yeah, I sure have. And it was kind of neat to see, you know, as I said, Haley's intuition as far as fit was perfect. And then as far as coaches go and, you know, the multitude of options that they had in the different directions they could have gone. And, and Brian Holsinger is somebody that I've known for a long time. Um, he was obviously a Washington state and an Oregon state. He grew up in, in federal way, right outside of Puyallup where I grew up a couple years older than me, but uh, I, I've no, I had known that name for a long time and was just thrilled uh, when he was the hire and then puts together the staff he does with Jocelyn Tinkle and crew and familiar names and Nate and, J- and Jordan. I mean, it's just a, just a home run in all of those ways. So that was kind of the first then domino like, Oh man, this is awesome. This is going to fall into place. And, and Haley will be, I think fit wise and, and scheme wise and everything they want to do someone that can, you know, earn her way onto it. Cause he loves playing defense and likes long, um, you know, long athletes on the wings and everything else. So that was a, that was a terrific fit. And then, yeah, Michael I've, and, and Scott, I think I've been up to Montana probably six or seven times we all drove her up together and packed out the SUV and borrowed the neighbor's Thule and, and made the trip as a family with all of Haley's stuff and rugs. And my wife's a designer. So of course she had <laughs> some cute things in her dorm room there. And so we made the, the that drive up and stayed around and, and uh, put her room together. And then um, Molly and I alternated. Uh, Molly went up to the Gonzaga game and to a preseason game. I went to their first public scrimmage. Went to the Bobcat game, both home and away. So yeah, you know, and then family and friends, you know, went there and, and on the road a couple times and went up to Greeley. So gosh, I think in person, I probably saw six, seven, eight games trying to balance it out with my other two kiddos that are still playing and one in high school and one in youth sports. But man, uh, the ESPN three was one of the coolest things the Big Sky did. That was one of the best decisions their leadership made to partner with ESPN because we were able to watch all of those games, yeah. families, friends, relatives, former coaches, everybody like it was on ESPN with the, with the app, ESPN Plus. Everything was was big time and got to watch when we weren't there in person, got to watch it on the big screen at home and just had such a blast following her this year. Well, being a Montana podcast, we are going to absolutely have to balance this out because we're talking so much about grizzlies here but this state with the rivalry as you said you went to a, a, a bobcat uh, both bobcat games this this rivalry in this state is, is so deep football especially but also it goes into basketball mm-hmm. both men's and women's what is your uh, kind of uh how has that been to you to kind of learn what that means in the state of montana yeah well that's why i made the drive up i was like shoot you know it's, two, it's a couple hours closer so let me just hop in the car on a monday morning and uh, they, because of the still some of the COVID cases over the year, they had to 
reschedule that first Montana, Montana state game in Bozeman. So it was on a Monday. So I left here like 6am and, and got up to Bozeman, found a little snow, not gonna lie. That was a little nerve wracking, a little stretch of it, <laughs> but got into, uh, got into Bozeman and watched that game and immediately felt like, Oh, okay. Oh, we're on. Oh, this is on. <laughs> this is like, you know, dogs and cougs. This is, or this is beavers and ducks. Like this is to your point. I mean, this is some good old fashioned sports hate and vitriol and fuel and I, I was sitting behind the Montana bench and a bunch of these punk Bobcat fans decided to sit all around us. And they were, oh man, they were making me mad and I'm biting my tongue. And then they did their chant, which I, I won't even repeat on a podcast. But, no. You know, uh, go cats, go crazy. You know yep. what? And yeah. I was like, man, I'm finding myself getting really mad. And, and then I found myself just chuckling. Like, this is what rivalry is about. This is so good. And then to come back and finally beat them, I think for the first time in like five, six years for the women, to beat them at the end of the season in uh, around what forty five hundred or so, I think was the announced crowd in um, in Missoula later in the season. I was there for that as well, and that did that just felt like any rivalry that I was ever a part of, high school, college, pro, it was all of it, and the animus was exactly what you want. And uh, gosh, it was uh, fun to be a part of. It's for for the Grizz. Uh, the challenge is the Bobcats are for real. I mean, the revenue, the growth, that city is amazing. Uh, that, that campus continues to grow. The resources being poured into it continue to grow. And they are not going anywhere. And um, Brian Holsinger knew, I think, the challenge he was getting into when he took that job, that Montana State was far ahead of the Grizz. When it came to women basketball, it caught them, it passed them. It's certainly done that. They make their trip to the tournament this year, and awesome for them. Um and then the football, the two have just made each other better and better and better, man. Iron sharpens iron and refining one another. And, and uh, yeah, put it all uh, together in the cauldron. It's nothing but good for the state of Montana. Well, it sounds like you're on board with uh, Haley's decision a year later. You know, what's, what's her take on all of that now that she's lived here and seen it up close and, and been able to work into the culture? Yeah, I think two things uh, might jump out. Uh, number one, not only w- was she right um, as far as just her – her intuition and, and her leading, um, what she has loved, which she didn't even know then, what she has loved is just the whole student body and the other student athletes. And they're not a, you see in some of these campuses and, and certainly like the power five level, they can build out a dorm that's just for athletes. That's not the case there at Montana and in the big sky and in many places, but every freshman athlete lives in the dorm. So in some essence, it does become an athlete. You know, there's other students, but all the freshmen are in it together. And she so fell in love with meeting, you know, volleyball players and and fast pitch play. I don't think she knew, right, in the basketball world, she lived in the AAU world, it's just basketball, basketball, basketball. And then to get in that dorm and be like, wow, I really like that volleyball girl. Wow, I really like that fast pitch girl. Wow, we're all doing the same thing. We're all sacrificing. We're all learning. We're all living the dorm life and all, you know, becoming student athletes and all that that entails. And so I think she's thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that process and already has her roommate apartment picked out for next year. And she's a fast pitch player. And so I think that is, uh, that's been super, super cool. The other surprise is she's become Montana tough. Like I, I, I went and visited and it was cold. I think we're walking <laughs> back from the gym to the double tree and I'm like cold. And, you know, she's got her jacket on and she was our like 
you know, had to have blankets and, and she was always, you know, her room and, and need the house super hot. And like, just, she was cold blooded. <laughs> so she needed that. And now she's become just this Montana tough chick. Like she's good. Put on her parka, put on her jacket. Uh, her boyfriend got her some Carhartt gloves. I'm like, man, you have become Montana tough. And, uh, and I absolutely love that aspect of it. it too. It's kind of interesting because I know how, embedded in Washington uh you are uh, grew up there played for them in in college level and pro level it's it's kind of uh it's got to be tough to live somewhere else to to have your daughter go somewhere else I'm sure you heard from Washington people and and are uh, continue to do that what was that like to be like no longer um I mean I know you're still a Washington guy I still know you have tons yeah. of connections you still do radio there all the time but uh, there, you know there had to be a part of you that goes man I'm you know I'm going somewhere else now this is a new direction yeah you know Scott I think it helped honestly that we also moved so in the midst of all of that and those decisions and that trip and everything else really felt a stirring that it was time to move, that it was time that doors were opening elsewhere. Uh, some doors were closing. And in that pandemic, like I think it did for so many people, millions of people, kind of gave you the opportunity to sit and rest for a second and think and go, okay, is this where we're going to be? Is the reality when my kids go off to school and, you know, Washington didn't really recruit Haley and they were in their program was in turmoil and all sorts of different coaching changes and stuff. And, and the thought really became, Scott, you know, when Haley goes off to school, is she going to come back and live in Western Washington? In Macy, my number two, you know, when she goes off to play and she's going to make her decision here this summer, is she going to come back and, and make home in Western Washington? Is it still home for them kind of projecting and forecasting like it was for us? And that was a definitive no. They're not techies. Um, they're, they're not in that world. Western Washington has become so outgrown. It's not the place that I, I grew up. It's so populated. It's so busy. It's so incredibly expensive. It's so many of these things that, as I said, those doors were starting to close. And as we looked at, okay, for my travel, for my work, uh, I work with a nonprofit ministry called Compassion International. Their headquarters is in Colorado Springs. I think it helped to take that step as a family, to make that move. Uh, right ahead of Haley's senior year, which she was fully on board of to be in school and play and have an opportunity to play with her sister and win a state title. Um, things that would not have happened back in Washington as everything was closed up and shut down. So I think that first initial step, Scott, is a family to do that together really then afforded Haley the freedom and, and she's just blossomed All and right. continued more independence and freedom as she's uh, making her way and her own journey up there in Missoula. Yeah, that kind of resonated with me because as you were talking about uh, the basketball program at, at Montana, you mentioned a couple of names that are basically Montana family names, Tinkle and and uh, Petrino, where they're a yeah. family. And, and Heward is exactly the same thing uh, for, for people in Washington. It is, it, you know, with a lot of roots. And a lot of people looked at me cross-eyed. And even friends uh, will tell me now, uh, like, now I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you uprooted 40-some years and all of your kind of experience and all of your connections in the media world and everything else. But, man, we've replanted here, have blossomed, have loved it, have loved the new community schools, still have endearing friendships, still go back to Washington and kind of, I guess, to circle back to almost the beginning of our podcast here, right? And talking about player movement and empowerment and making decisions and, and, and having the opportunity to do things, right? And, and that was what was maybe the 
maybe the most nerve wracking of all of it. And maybe the, not maybe it was the final conversation that I had uh, was with my employer there in Seattle and say, you know, I'm really feeling led to make this move. And instead of how dare you, I can't believe you're going to do that. It was, Hey, awesome. You can do your show from Colorado, right? In this world that we're living in now, you can do the zoom and you can do uh, the programming and you can bring your comrades and you can build your studio. And, and in fact, that's what the world became for the next 12 to 18 months. And in some places it's still living in that kind of world. So there was a bunch of freedom, Scott, to make that decision. No doors really had to permanently close. No connections were totally severed. And uh, that's been the one positive, I think, trade-off of this kind of COVID pandemic world that we that we lived in and through and, and in still some ways are, is that I think we learned, man, we can be pretty mobile and we can work from pretty much anywhere and continue to do so right here in the Rocky Mountains. I'll tell you what, after hearing your story, I think your way of leaving that building was far superior to mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, too, was granted my freedom just under completely different circumstances. Uh, we you have can't go back. I remember that. <laughs> hey, I remember hanging out with you and your wife and your I kids have, and your dogs. And I have literally was... never forgotten that. The fact that you showed up on my doorstep, teriyaki in hand, like, hey, let's talk. Um, let me ask <laughs> yeah. you this. Uh, you've already mentioned the, the extended family. How many people in Missoula are in your ear about Macy? Oh, there's a few. You're going to start <laughs> yeah, a pipeline. There's... Do we do we, can we get a, a Heward to Montana tradition? There, started? Is, a, there mm-hmm. is a very, there's a very strong possibility. I would, I would say, yeah, I'd say it's right. Right there near the top, Brian is an amazing recruiter. Uh, Macy's being recruited on a little bigger scale than Haley was. As I said, that 21 class got hit. The 22, were, it was a disaster. Macy's a 23. And so she's had an opportunity to, to see more schools, for them to come visit, to do more things. So her scale of recruitment's a little bigger than Haley's. Um, but, man, Brian has uh, recruited unbelievably well, was in a home visit with us last week uh, before that window closed from a recruiting purpose. I think Macy's watching it through Haley's eyes and seeing the big turn they made this year. And, and I think they'll continue to be on an upward trajectory in everything we've talked about for these you know half hour here. So all the fruits that come with that place and all the opportunity. Uh, Macy, Macy knows it big time. The opposite of Haley, everything <laughs> we had to knock on the door and peek through the windows. It's total opposite for Macy. She knows everything about that place, how special it is. And it will certainly be a very, very strong consideration for her. Did uh, Bobby Houck ask why you didn't make any boys? <laughs> I got one. Oh, you I got, got one. one. All right. Yeah, Scott. Yeah. Oh, we got one. So have he, he has, is, he, uh, has he met yep. Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> he did actually last year when we brought Haley. Uh, Bobby was having a camp out there, uh, in state camp. Cool to see all those Montana boys, and and uh, I think my sixth grader is about as big as Bobby. So he kind of <laughs> kind of eyed him and and, <laughs> and liked the sight of that. And yeah, my youngest Titus is uh, going to be much bigger than me, I think. Oh no! Any any of the other Hewards? And uh, really? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see exactly what he ends up doing. He loves kind of everything right now and, and hopefully uh, maintains that. And I'll say this too. I haven't even told you this, Gray. Uh, Titus and I are hunter certified. So <laughs> oh, yeah. we went through, yeah, went through a hunter's egg, got our nice. hunter certification. Look at you. Uh, or, ordered, shot, you know, my first couple shotguns through Tom Nelson, my buddy there at the outdoor <laughs> line back in Washington. And uh, so Titus is, is going to get to do some more of that, more than I ever did ever, ever oh. in my lifetime. And who knows, maybe that'll lead him up to uh, 
to Big Sky Country as well one day. Well, Nelly knows his equipment, but don't let him teach anybody how to shoot. That guy can't hit anything. <laughs> I mean, the I won't tell him you said that. I've oh, never I, hunted with him. He can fish. Oh boy, he can he can fish. Well, and he will empty a rifle at a mountainside and miss an 800-pound animal every single time. <laughs> I've seen him do it. I have the un, uh, unfortunate situation of uh, uh, not having met that guy un, other than his Facebook comments, and I don't want to tell you what those were. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a fun one. He is a heck of a fisherman. He can, yes. he can, he, he can stick a hook, and, and he, can, uh, he can do everything on a boat. But that's good to know on the hunting end of things. Because I know, didn't you do that with him, Michael? Uh, uh, have yep. you been out with Tom? He's been, uh, he's been at my place uh, each of the last three years for a pre-opening day uh dinner and, cool. and whatnot yeah he's he's a beaut he is he's a good one it's a fun to... not a great shot no <laughs> <laughs> nope he's not always will stare at the rifle on the way back to the atv going i don't know i must have knocked the scope off <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know if you did that Nelly. well if you get up here obviously open invite uh in yep. in my neck of the woods I'm glad to show you around and man it's exciting I, it's so weird to me just because i mean you're talking about titus how old now yeah, Titus is 12, Michael. 12. And, oh, that's nuts. Yep, he's about 5'10 and 145 pounds. Oof. And it's just, yeah, he's he's built like my little brother, man. It's funny. I, it, I don't know if you guys have situations like this with nephews or your own kids or aunts or uncles. You kind of look at them and go, huh, that guy in Titus looks just like my little brother. He's much broader than me. He's stronger than I ever was at that age. Oh, no. and just. Yeah, he's a little spitting image of my little brother who really should have been a middle linebacker or DN. And we'll see whether or not Ty's temperament through puberty hits like my little brother's. And uh, <laughs> and he and he leans more defensive or ends up, who knows, being a pitcher or I, basketball player or whatever he, he does. He just loves to play, man. I still haven't forgiven your brother for getting me yelled at by your mom. Um, oh, shoot. Story he told about oh, you being an man. ugly baby. And then I had to bear <laughs> oh, the brunt of that. yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you didn't have to use your fantasy football name as your baby Brock. I mean, you didn't have to do that. I you felt like it did. I did. I felt it. that felt obligatory. And uh, felt the wrath of Peggy. Don't yeah. mess mama, mama bear. Well, let me ask you that because you know it's funny you mentioned that. I just um, as a as a matter of exchanging stuff with my sister with the passing of my parents, I got a hold of my baby book. And my mom kept records on me through age nine, and now I've been able to go because my my boy's about to turn eleven. And I've been able to go through and, and find his heights and weights at every age through age nine, and he's bigger than me. He's, yep. he's taller than I was at that point. He's heavier than I was at that point, and I am not prepared for him to be bigger than me. Are you okay with that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I think not. so. Because I've, I've watched my daughters just dwarf my wife. Like, Haley's, Haley's a basketball 6'1". She's pretty close to that, actually, and she's long. Macy is is almost six two. So Yikes. she like yeah. So to watch poor mom becomes this little <laughs> this little dwarf. She loves it. She's just a petite little thing now at five nine, five ten. So to watch that happen, I think will make that transition for me and Titus a little bit easier. But and here's the big but when you actually like wrestle with them, right? Or now like Ty <laughs> Ty really loves pitching. That's probably more than anything. He loves to throw a baseball. Right. And now to get to a point in long toss where I'm like Ow. <laughs> you know that's it's not the size it's now like some of the strength or whatever right that's, that's the weird paradigm that's the one that i think is almost even harder than the size it's like yeah you know if i wrestle with them can i still 
take them. And I, I got a few years, but that will that will shift. And when that changes, you're right. It'll be a bit of an eye opener. So you, you've got the college athletes. You've got you've got a youngster, sixth grade coming up. What was it? Uh, you know, there's obviously pressure uh, having a dad who played in the NFL, an uncle who played in the NFL, having this pressure to excel at at athletics. Uh, how have your kids handled that? They're obviously doing it, and uh, and it's got to be different for them than it is for anybody else. Yeah, you know, Scott, as you say that, uh, I guess I'll reference once again, like the third huge blessing we had in, in moving out here to Colorado, where that was not the impetus. I didn't say, oh, gosh, you know, I want to get my kids out of some of some of that, you know, and and I referenced my nephew earlier, the QB at Washington, and he followed in Damon's his dad's footsteps and his uncle me and and, you know, it's been a huge, huge name out there. And, and that has been yet another kind of blessing, Scott, in moving out here to Colorado. And it's not like Titus goes to a baseball tournament and there's a recognizable name, you know, like it was in Washington. You know, it'll often get butchered or Macy, you know, gets announced in pregame and at forward, you know, a 6'2 sophomore from Valor. Hey, Macy heard. It's like, <laughs> oh, OK, I kind of I kind of dig that. I kind of like it that there's not that expectation. There's not some of that understanding. It's been, frankly, in many ways, I think another as I said, blessing and refreshing for them to just kind of cut their own path and make their own name and not have some of the weight of expectation that we certainly felt a whole lot more in Washington than we do here. Well, Brock, I know uh, personally the pride you take in your kids. It is awesome to catch up with you. To, to hear the tone of your voice change when we get talking about your family is something else. And uh, I, I miss talking to you, buddy. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this has been fun. And we look for you to do what you have to do to steer the other ones our way, right? Okay. Those yep. those grizzlies can yeah. they can they can well, use a little bit of that herd influence. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know we got name, image, and likeness. So you know, <laughs> get it done to your tractor. If the station wants to do something, you know, sweeten the deal. Like that's not even illegal anymore. Like you just let me know what y'all want to do up in Montana. Get too. her a shotgun deal. Together. The girls here hunt too, right. man. Hey, Carhartt, you that's said right. it yourself, hey. right there. Hey, hey, you listeners up there, you got it, okay? Like name, image, and likeness, real. See what you can do. My daughter went through hunter safety at age ten. Uh, it's it's it. a thing here, bro. So cool, and it's so good to eat, man. There's nothing better than elk and deer and everything else. And actually, I'm gonna go uh, next week on my first my first hunt. Never never hunted, done a ton of fishing. As I said, got licensed and went and got my turkey license. So my neighbor out here is a big hunter. Uh, has some ranches and ranch owners and property owners he knows so next week i'll if i get one uh mike and scott i'll send you a little picture my first ever turkey hunt next nice week. very cool very cool yeah. thank you so much for your time brock it has been great catching up man and and congratulations on everything for your kids i know it's been uh, a big point of pride for you and it's been fun to watch haley up here with the grizz Wow, super, super fun. And Grizz country up there and all the Grizz folks that, that make that place go, it's uh, it's special. It attracted her even with empty venues and an empty campus. She knew how special that place was, and it's lived up to that and more. And, and hopefully maybe in season next year, we'll uh, we'll do this again as the, as the Grizz put together another great year. And quickly with the balance thing for Bobcat fans, who if you're still listening by any chance, uh, we're going to try to get uh, – we've been trying to get Troy Anderson. So if you have a contact for him and let us – somebody needs to let us know how to get Troy on. Well, I'll say this too, Scott. I actually got a chance to meet Tommy, the the quarterback. Um, oh Mollett, yeah, Mallet, Mollet, Mallet, Butcher's last uh, name. See, heard well, what, well done. What? <laughs> what a great kid! Yeah. Holy smoke, Tommy Mallet. 
yes, you need to get him on this podcast. He was he was uh, just, oh my gosh. I met him at the, at the basketball game I went to at a friend of a friend, say, hey, you know, any chance to encourage this, this youngster? He had the injury in the championship game. I think you'll, you'll, you'll love him and admire him, and I absolutely do. So I will be rooting for him big, big time, and he's certainly one you guys are going to want to talk to as well. Yeah. See, there you go. For every one of the Cat fans that was hate listening to this thing all the way through, yeah. you get the little, the little bit at the end. Love hey, that. they got Beth Dutton as a fan, okay? Beth Dutton is a cat fan. She said it in Yellowstone 4. So they get <laughs> Beth, Beth Dutton, and I'll just do my best to, to be the fan of the Grizz on the other side. Uh, Have a great one, boys. See ya. Thanks again for checking out Episode 7 of the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. And thank you to Brock Heward for stopping by and telling his story about his daughter Haley and her time with the Montana Grizzlies basketball program. We will be back next week. In the meantime, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Please share it uh, far and wide, unless you don't like it, in which case lie, rate it highly, and share it anyway. Uh, Tell people it's good, even if you don't mean it. It mean a lot to us. We'll see you next week.